Morning, church. God is good. All the time. Amen. And she's telling you the truth. We, <laughs> I, and I did tell, I remember probably a couple years ago, man, it was just one of or maybe, well, it's been longer than that because we've been retired for three years. But just one of those weeks at the church when we just didn't have time to look up. And uh, I told her, I said, you know, one of these days we're going to look back on this as the best time of our life. And, and it was. It was. Serving God in the church. Uh, best time of your life. Uh, you know, I was talking in Sunday school, they were talking about justice and mercy and, uh, you know, should, what should you do, when should you do it? And I was sitting there thinking about a time when we were serving the church in Logan. And uh, we constantly had people, you know, come to the church wanting money for food, money for power bills, water bill, whatever. Uh, and so the Logan Ministerial Association, we come up with a remedy for that. We thought uh, we put all of our money together. Every church, every church in, in town, we all put our money together and we had a fund. And everybody went to one place. And we served the people that fed into Logan High School. That's who we served. Well, I got a phone call one night. And it was a lady called, and she said, we're hungry. We have no food. We have no food in the house at all. Uh, can you help us? And I said, well, where do you live? And she said, uh, I live on Hearts Creek. And I said, so the, the kids in your area go to Chapmanville High School? She said, yes. I said, ma'am, I'm sorry. I said, there's not a thing I can do. And I hung up the phone, and as soon as I let go of that receiver, I knew I had made a mistake. God convicted me from <laughs> the top of my head to my toenails. And I reached and picked the phone back up, and I dialed, what, star 69, I think? Dial star 69, got the phone number, called her back. And I said, you had no food? She said, said sir, we have, we have nothing. And I, I told her where our church was. It was, on, it was late one evening. It was absolutely pouring the rain. It was cold. And she said, I know where your church is. I said, you meet me there at 6 o'clock, and I'll see that you get some food. Nancy said, who, is it? who are these people? I said, I have no idea. She said, well, you're not going down there by yourself. I'm going with you. <laughs> so we went down, and when we got there, they're standing there in front of the church, absolutely soaked to their underwear. They have no umbrella. They have no coat. They have nothing. No car. And we got out of the car, and I said, come on, let's go. And we ran into, into the office, and I said, how did you get here? And she's... <laughs> She said, we thumbed. I said, you thumbed from Hearts Creek. If you're in a car driving from Logan to Hearts Creek, that's a good 45 minutes. They thumbed in a rainstorm. These people were starved to death. And I said, if I give you food, how are you going to get it home? And they said, we don't know. So I always kept in my desk drawer uh, gift certificates for McDonald's, just in case people come in hungry. And I, get, and, I, and I said, you sit right here, and you make, you make a phone call. You get somebody to come and pick you up tonight. You take these. You go get something to eat. You come back tomorrow with transportation, and we'll see that you have food. And we did. We, we gave them groceries. But, you know, do you go by the rules all the time, Donnie? As <laughs> you talk about you know, hunting out of season, if you're hungry, do you, do you go by the rules all the time, or do you go by the heart? I think, I think you got to go by the heart, don't you? Yeah, okay, it has nothing to do with what I'm preaching on. But I just, I thought about that when we were talking about that in Sunday school. 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. <clears throat> I'll start reading at verse 3. 
Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burnt incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifice. That was the most high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gideon, 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 the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night. And in a dream, God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father, David, because he was faithful to you, righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given his son, given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased with Solomon and asked for, and, I'm sorry, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you've asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, you have, asked for the, have not asked for the death of your enemies, but for the discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you or never will be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commandments as David your father did, I will give you a long life. This is the word of God. For the people of God. The Bible tells us that Solomon was the wisest king ever to live on earth. Um, but later on in life, he does some of the dumbest things, doesn't he? Later on in life. So, but, but tonight, we're not going to, or this morning, we're not, we're not going to look at his um, late in life thick-headedness, okay? What we're going to look at this morning is this prayer, just this one prayer, the prayer of a king. And, and, I, and I want us to look at this, and, 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 and what I'm going to attempt to do uh, this morning with God's help is, is, is I, want to, uh, I want to compare portions of Solomon's prayer with lessons that I have learned from people I grew up in, in the little community I lived in, 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 in Boone County. And, and the little community I grew up in, it's it just like every other small area, everybody knows everything about everybody. Right? Amen? We, we, know what that, we know what that's like. Okay? I mean, whether it's true or not, all right, most people can keep you mesmerized for the better part of the afternoon telling you about their neighbors. Right? Yeah. Okay. So you know where I'm going. All right. Uh, you know, I'm, I, and I pastored in that area for a little while, uh, and and a lot of times I got tickled. A lot of people uh, when they would go to the hospital, and I would show up, and they would say, "Well, how'd you even know I was in here?" Hey, listen, you can't keep a secret in a small community. If somebody's in the hospital, everybody's going to know about it, right? Uh, every, I mean, news travels at the speed of light, and sometimes it's news that you don't want people to know about, right? For example, I can remember when I was a little kid, 
just right up the road from where we lived. There was this husband and wife, and they lived there. And I remember hearing the adults saying, it's just terrible. It is terrible what goes on in that house. Don't you know that she is in total control of that house? He is so hempacked. He, yeah, he can't make any of the decisions in that house. She's in total control. Well, there was a day when he decided he had enough and he was going to stand up to her bullying. And he did for a little while until she got him on the floor. True story. Held him on the floor, pulled the refrigerator down on top of him until he, she, or till he submitted to her ruling the house. And when he submitted to her, she lifted the refrigerator back up and made him clean up the mess. All right? Talking about being in total control. All right? And, and you know what? I would be willing to say, if I'd walk out through the congregation this morning, I'd be willing to say that, that there is no one here that likes being under the control of someone else. Right? We don't like that. I mean, it just goes against human nature. We do, we do not want to be uh, under the control of someone else. We don't want people controlling us. So what happens is, if we're not careful, sometimes you and I, we will even withhold permission that allows God to be in control of us. Amen? We, because we're free moral agents, right? We're not robots. We're not angels. God gave us a free will. And there are times we can say no to God. Right? And sometimes we withhold permission that allows God to have control over us. So, so what I want you to notice in this scripture this morning is this, is that Solomon invites God to have control of his life. And, and, and also remember at this point in Solomon's life, Solomon isn't, he's not hindered. Remember I told you late in life he has, he has, he has some problems. But at this point in his life, he's not hindered by selfishness. He's not hindered by the attraction of, of ultimate power, of, of none of that. So this prayer demonstrates that the only thing that's on Solomon's heart is faithful obedience to God. He wants to be faithful to God. He wants to have this fellowship with God. So before Solomon builds the temple, we all know about Solomon's temple, before this is built, Solomon goes to, to Gibeon. And he goes there and he offers 1,000 burnt offerings to God. And that night, God comes to Solomon in a dream and he says to Solomon, what, what, you, whatever you want, you ask for and I'll give it to you. So I want to look at this prayer just for a moment. And I want to point out just a few things. And the first thing I want to point out is this prayer that Solomon prays this night, this is a prayer of praise. It's a prayer of praise to God for, for God being so gracious and God being so kind. Listen to verses uh, 6 and 7a. Listen. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and has given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O oh Lord, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Solomon is praising God and he's reminding God of his faithfulness in keeping his promise to his father David. Every one of us wants to live life to its fullest, right? That's a, that's a no-brainer. We do. We want to get the most possible out of this one short life that we have. And we can if we remember one thing. 
Who's in charge? <laughs> That's it. God is in charge. Listen, Psalms chapter 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything belongs to God. The car you drove in here this morning, all right, belongs to God. The clothes you wore here this morning belong to God. The home you'll be returning to here in just a few moments belongs to God. The bank account that has your name on it <laughs> belongs to God. Because it says the world and everything in it belongs to God. And I believe that our praise to God reaches the heart of God when we make ourselves available and everything we have to God. Everything is His. He can do with it whatever He wants. He can do with me whatever He wants. That we, we praise God for who God is. We don't praise Him for the material blessings we have, right? We just praise God because He's God, right? He never changes. God is God, and, and, and He is worthy of our love and our worship. When I was a kid, remember, I'm taking you back to where I was a kid, where I grew up. There was two ladies in the community, that, and I told you about one of them. You'll remember her in just a minute. But, but these two ladies made a lasting impression on me. One of them I, I told you about just a few weeks ago. Her name was Oma Jordan. When I was just a kid, I was going to the post office one day. Maybe you remember this. I walked up, I hear somebody screaming. I think they're screaming. And I'm walking down the road, and I turn the corner and get to the post office. I look across the railroad tracks, and there is Oma Jordan on her front porch, both hands raised, and she is praising God, walking back and forth with everything that was in. You can hear her all over the community. And you know what? Nobody thought she was crazy <laughs> because she did that a lot. She praised God, not because of her wealth. She didn't have a lot. She didn't have a nice, fine home, but she praised God for who he was. And I think about another lady that went to our church at Brushton. Her, her name was Miss McDermott. We called her Miss Mack. And Miss Mack, every Sunday morning, would sit about right there where you're sitting. She always wanted to sit on the end because she wasn't going to be there very long. All right? Because the Brushton choir sang every Sunday morning. That choir sang. And they would sing songs like, What a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. He take, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, a glorious day that will be. And Miss Mack would get up ever so slowly and she would walk in front of this altar and she had her little white hanky in her hand and she would wave that handkerchief as they sang that song. And her lips were moving, but you couldn't hear a word she was saying. Because she wasn't talking to anyone in the church. She was praising God because he's God. Not because of what she had, not because of what she had, because she didn't have much, but she had God. And I remember she would walk up and down, and I, and I really didn't understand it all sometimes, but I'm telling you, the little hairs on the back of your neck would stand up because she was in contact with someone, someone much higher than us. She was in contact with God. Listen, author Richard Lee, listen to what he says. Listen to this statement. This is a quote from him. Oh, for a heart that is fixed on God, no matter what happens, 
No, or, 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 or devotion or for his devotion and his steadfastness, for lips that will praise his unchanging love his, and, and his faithfulness. Though all the world crumbles at our feet, this is the praise that pleases the Father and brings glory to his name. Church, God is worthy of praise regardless of what kind of a week you've had. Amen? Regardless of what kind of week you've had, he is worthy. Of what you may have had the best week. You may have had a red-letter week. Oh, everything just fell in place, and you're praising God. But listen, you may have had a week you'd just as soon forget about. Amen? Guess what? He's still worthy of praise because he's still God. You know, I mean, some of you here, you may have received tragic news this week. I don't know. You may have received some tragic news this week, and it's saddened your heart, but he's still God. And you know what? I think that's when God really wants to hear us sing. I think that's when he really wants to hear us give him praise, regardless of the week we've had. You know what? God is God alone, and he should be the object of our love and our worship continually. Number one, this prayer. I want you to see, number one, it's a prayer of praise. Number two, this prayer that Solomon prayed is a prayer of submission. And we'll read all of verse 7 this time. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a child, and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Solomon, it is believed that at this point in his life, he's around 20 years old, okay? He's about 20 years old, and he lacks the necessary experience to carry out, this, to assume the responsibilities of king. His attitude is, you know what, this job is so much bigger than I am, I need God's help. I need God to help me. Solomon uh, did not want his will and God's will to clash. He wants to be sure that he yields himself to God. Um, yeah, you know, church, when God asks us to do things or when God asks us to go in a different direction, it doesn't always make sense to us, right? <laughs> doesn't always make sense when God asks us to go. Yeah, it, it, it may be in a strange new direction that we're really not crazy about going in, but we must yield to God. When I was a kid, where I grew up, we had the greatest place to sleigh ride that you ever saw. It was the church house hill. So everybody called it the church house hill because at the top of the hill was the Brushton Methodist Church. And, 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 we, and anytime there was snow on the ground, you knew there were kids coming down that church house hill. All right? Now, there is an element of danger here because there are people who live up past the church. That's a, that is a road. All right? And, and when there's snow on the ground and kids are slaying, I have seen that road nothing but a solid sheet of ice. I have seen it, the solid sheet, and it's, it's pretty steep. So if you live on past the church and it's snowing, you know, number one, that hill's going to be slick. And you know, number two, there's kids going to be going up and down that hill sleigh riding. So there was kind of this uh, unwritten arrangement, you might say. When a car starts up the church house hill, they begin to blow their horn and flash. If it's night, they flash the lights. And when kids are coming up and down the hill walking and they see a car coming, they scream, car, car, 
and you hear the horn button, you're coming down the hill on a sled, you hear a car horn, you do one of two things. You either hit the ditch line or you turn right and you go into the briar patch. Because either one is better than hitting a car head on, right? Either one better than hitting a car. Now, I've, I've said all that to say this. When you and I submit our lives totally to God, we're doing it for the same reason because we want to avoid this head-on collision with God. I don't want a head-on collision with God. I, I, I really don't. You know what I read this week? And, and don't ask me who sat around and, and figured all this up or, or listened to people talk. I, I have no idea. But it is estimated that you will speak... Nine million words in one year. Nine million words in one year. Some of us probably more than that. Maybe. Huh? Somebody had a lot of time. And on average, half of those words are I, me, my, and mine. But followers of Jesus Christ... That means that we deny ourselves, right? When we are followers of Jesus Christ, we deny ourselves. And church, let me tell you something. Self-centeredness will not die without a fight. Amen? It won't. Self-centeredness will not die. I mean, it's not just going to roll over and play dead. You have to kill it. You have to kill it, and, and, and it's, it's a daily battle because we have this tendency to want to, want to cling to our own self-interest with a death grip. We, we want to hold on to it. But you know what I've discovered? I don't want Richard's plan for my life. I've tried that. Amen? And, and guess what? It didn't work. The only thing Richard did was made a mess out of things. You see, from the school of hard knocks, I've discovered something. I've discovered where life and power originate, and it's not from this old boy. It's from Almighty God. It comes from him and him alone. E. Stanley Jones, listen, this is a quote from him. Life holds nothing within it which Christ has not conquered. Praise God. Hey, did you hear that? That ought to be enough to make a Presbyterian shout. Church, listen. Let me read it again. Life holds nothing within it which Christ has not caught. That is an awesome thought. Listen, I, I, no matter what predicament you find yourself in, God's been there. He's already been there. No matter what setback comes your way, Christ has already been there. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. When Satan comes knocking at your heart with temptation, let Jesus answer the door. Amen? Let Jesus answer the door. God has promised to supervise all the temptations that come our way. God, God has promised us that he will limit these temptations according to our ability to rely on God, not ourselves. You see, that's when we get in trouble. When we think, oh, I can handle this. Uh-huh. I can handle this temptation. You know, I'm, I'm strong enough. I'm a good Bible reader. I'm a preacher. I know how I can handle. Uh-uh. When you start relying on yourself, that's when you get overwhelmed. 
It says, God has promised to limit these temptations according to our ability to rely on Him, not upon ourselves. 20-year-old Solomon would have understood this. 20-year-old Solomon would have understood that God has already conquered every problem that will come his way. Every problem he faces as king, God's already been there. Remember that this week. Amen? Remember that this week. When you come upon a problem or something that's difficult, Christ has already conquered it. Christ has already been there. Church, listen. Satan would destroy us in a second if God will allow it. You know what? Satan hates God. But he can't do anything with God. So what does he do? He goes after that which God loves, which is us. Aren't you glad you're in the hollow of his hand today? Aren't you glad that you're standing on a solid rock? Because he wanted to destroy Job. Remember in Job chapter 1? God wouldn't allow it. He wanted to destroy Peter in Luke chapter 22. God wouldn't allow it. Just like a mother that keeps her kid out of the candy aisle at the store. God keeps us away from the temptations that would destroy us. It is said that every year, every New Year's, New Year's Eve at midnight, John Wesley would pray this prayer that I'm about to read to you. I want you to listen to these words. John Wesley said every, every New Year's Eve at midnight he would pray, I am no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou will. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. As a servant of the living God, Purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I are not free to, to, to follow the, the, the dictates and directions of our own heart. However, we are free. We are free to surrender our will to God's will. So this prayer this morning, first of all, what was it? It's a prayer of praise to God. Secondly, it's a prayer of submission. We're going to yield ourselves to God. We're, going to, we're not going to. We're not going to. Have, we're going to avoid this head-on collision with God. We're going to give give our will to to God. And thirdly, Solomon's asking for wisdom, isn't he? Listen to what it says in verse nine. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? What a great prayer! What, what an awesome prayer. You know, I, I've heard, I've been in church all my life, and I've, probably, I've heard thousands and thousands of prayer requests. But I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever heard anybody stand up and say, you know what, pray that God will give me a discerning heart so that I can be more in the center of His will. Solomon doesn't ask for personal wealth. He doesn't ask for health. He doesn't ask for power. Solomon asks for wisdom so that he can be an effective leader of God's people. Oh, that we could be blessed with leaders like that today. Amen? Amen? That we could be blessed with people that would lead like that today. And you know, many, many people today uh, don't have the discernment or they wouldn't have the courage to use it if, if they did. But I knew one man that did when I was a kid. 
growing up in that little church in Bruston, me and my best friend, friend I grew up with, we were young, and we just wanted to see different things happen in the church. You know, we just wanted to see different things happen. Now, you know, in, in a small church, Greg, Greg mentioned it this morning, sometimes you've got to wear more than one hat, right? Yeah, Greg touched on that this morning. Sometimes you've got to wear more than one hat. So a fellow in our church was named Earl Loftus. And Earl wore many hats in that church. And Charlie and I were constantly button heads with him because we just wanted to see things happen different. And I remember there was an old beer joint in our community, and it, it went out of business. It shut down. And Charlie and I thinking, man, wouldn't it be great if the church would buy that? It's within sight of the church. We could turn that into a youth center and all this. And Earl said no. So then we thought, well, you know what? This certain preacher we knew we'd made friends with, we really liked him. I'd like to hear him preach a revival. We go to Earl. We'd like to have this guy coming to her. Earl, no. No. Well, we need new carpet in the church. Why can't we raise money and get... No. Everything we come up with, Earl was there to shoot it down. So we thought. Well, my friend, he was serving on a committee in the church he was serving at this time. And he came to me one day and he said... You remember when we were young and we come to Earl with all these suggestions and changes we wanted to see made and he all the time shooting them down? You remember that? I said, yeah, I sure do. He said, man, I'd love to have an Earl Loftus in my church right now. I would love to have, because you see, Earl knew things that we didn't know and probably at the time didn't need to know. But you know what? He had the courage to tell us no, even though he knew it was going to upset us. He had the courage to tell us no. Why? Because of his love for the church. Because of his love for the church. And the Lord says to Solomon, listen to this. This is what the Lord says, ask for anything you want. You ask, you ask for anything you want and I'll give it to you. No stipulation, no limitation. You ask for it and it's yours. And without hesitation, Solomon asked for a discerning heart to govern God's people. Solomon understood. He's in way over his head here. He understands that. You know, I'll take people like that in a church to serve on a committee any day of the week. People who understand they can't do the job. People who understand that they need to rely on. You know what? The people that always concerned me in the leadership were the people who thought they could do a better job than anyone else. That's the people that always concerned me. Give me someone like a Solomon Give me someone like an Earl Loftus who has a sincere compassion and concern for the people of God. This prayer of Solomon is a prayer of praise. It's a prayer of submission. It's a prayer for wisdom. And it's a prayer that God answered. In fact, God's answer far exceeded what Solomon asked for, didn't it? It did. God gave Solomon wisdom, and on top of that, he gives him great riches and honor and a long life. Scripture tells us that God gave Solomon wisdom and insight and understanding that was as endless as the sand on the seashore. People came from nations after nation after nation just to listen to his wisdom. And when we read this Scripture, I don't know about you, but when you read this scripture about God's promise to Solomon, doesn't something inside you say, boy, I wish you would make me that promise. I wish God would come to me tonight and make me such a promise. 
Well, guess what? <laughs> he has. He absolutely has. Let me read it to you. A couple places. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. All of these things. In John chapter 15, verse 7, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. Period. It's there. It's there, church. God is making you and I an offer that we cannot refuse. You ask for it. You dedicate yourself to me. Huh? Let's don't butt heads here. Let's come together. Let me rule your life. Let me control you. And you know what? The one wonderful thing about God's control, it's not an abusive control. It's, he's not going to lay you in the floor and pull a refrigerator in on top of you. Okay? That's not God. That's not God. God. God's not like that. You see, we don't enjoy people being in control of our lives. But I encourage you this morning to stop trying to find peace and happiness and satisfaction and direction by living life your way. Because you're going to discover what Solomon soon discovered. Without God, we can do nothing. Amen? We can't. Without God, we can do nothing. Without God, we're going to fail. We're going to fall flat on our face. Without God, we are hopeless. But guess what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen? Church, seek God's direction and go that way. We've never gone that way before. Doesn't matter. That's right. Ooh, I didn't hear any amen or nothing. But we want to continue the way we've always done. We want to do what we've always done. Maybe God's trying to tell us something. Maybe he's trying to show you a new direction. Could it be? How long have you been in this situation? Man, you guys are going to cancel my future appointments. <laughs> but it's coming out. You see, we can't, we can't have this head on collision with God and expect it to work out. It won't. Our, our will has to be submitted to his will. We give him praise. We submit ourselves to him. We ask him for wisdom, guidance, and direction. And guess what? He'll answer. Talk about answer prayer a while ago. Wasn't we, Pam? Yeah. God will answer. God wants you to know the direction he wants you to go in. I'm telling you, he sent Nancy and I in directions. We went kicking and screaming, but we went. <laughs> we went kicking and screaming. Yeah. Real quick, we were, we were, when we left Logan to go to, to Weston, oh my gosh, she hated me. Her mother hated me. The church at Logan hated me. But I knew God was wanting us to go. I knew he was wanting us to go. I don't know why, but I just knew he was. And she was upset. And the day we moved, she said she got in the car and she turned on the radio and the song was playing, This is the first day of the rest of your life. And she said, A peace come over her. When God opens the door, you go. Amen? 
when God opens the door, I better shut up. Let's pray. <laughs> Gracious God, Lord, thank you for this prayer of Solomon. Lord, what, what an awesome prayer. What, what a servant of God. I know late in life, Lord, he became thick-headed and, and disobedient and sought worldly pleasure. But Lord, at this time in his life, he was totally obedient to you. His sole purpose in life was to live faithfully for you. And Lord, that's what this prayer is all about. Father, help us all as we seek your will for our lives. Each one of us here this morning, we want, we want to live life to its fullest. We want to see this church filled with people. We want to see children here. We want to hear laughter. We want to hear chairs being unfolded to make more room. Lord, show the leadership of this church what you would have them to do, the direction you would have them to go in, and give them the courage to go in that direction. Father, we are just trusting in you. Without you, we are nothing. Without you, we are absolutely nothing. But we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So I pray, Lord God, right now, if there is one person here this morning, and it's in the valley of decision, maybe they just need to have a little talk with Jesus. Lord, if they'd want to come and pray while we sing this closing hymn, speak to that heart right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.